Welcome back to this special correspondence edition of Off the Record. Our lead stories, the bending of the COVID curve. The governor says it's happening. A new Republican candidate for governor and the battle over Pipeline 5 heats up. On the OTR panel, Nancy Kaffer, Zoe Clark, Jim Kurtzner, and Chad Livengood. Sit in with us as we get the inside out Off the Record. Production of Off the Record is made possible in part by the following. Business Leaders for Michigan has a strategic plan to make Michigan a top 10 state in the nation for jobs, personal income, and a healthy economy. Learn more at michigansroadtotop10.com. And now, this edition of Off the Record with Tim Skubik. Thank you very much and welcome to this Zoom edition of Off the Record. A huge news week in our town this week as we talk about COVID, we talk about a guy running for governor, and we talk about Pipeline 5 with this great panel we've assembled. Nancy, Chad, Jimmy, and Z, nice to have you uh, on board. Let's take a look at what the governor was saying about COVID. Looks like things are getting better. To be sure, they were not exactly singing happy days are here again, but the governor and her chief medical officer, they were certainly upbeat. We are making big progress and it's time to feel optimistic. I'm pleased with the progress that we are making towards ending this pandemic. All of the metrics we are tracking for COVID-19 are decreasing. There's been a four week or 60% drop off in the number of COVID cases in Michigan. The number of positive tests is also down to 9.8%. They'd still like to have it around 3%. And about 12% of all hospital beds have COVID patients in them, a 30% reduction. In addition, 70% of senior citizens are fully vaccinated. 55% have had their first shot well, another 40% are fully vaccinated, with 6.6 .6 million shots administered so far. As the number of Michiganders getting vaccinated increases, our COVID numbers decrease. Nearly two weeks into May, we have bent the curve. And with 55% of the population with at least one shot, the governor announces. On Monday, May 24th, we anticipate that Myosha will take action allowing offices across Michigan to allow in-person work for all workers. Family doctors are urging parents to get their 12 to 15 year olds vaccinated ASAP. But yet, against all this good news, this warning. We are in a new phase of fighting this virus, but this is certainly not over. We still have the virus. Nancy, when, when you heard this stuff from the governor, what was your first reaction? Did you get a sense that we're maybe moving a little too fast or not? Um, you know, every person that gets vaccinated is a step in the right direction. I continue to be worried, as I'm sure most of us do, about folks who are vaccine hesitant, as we call it. We need more people to get on board. We need more people to get vaccinated. I think this is all, you know, part of this ever-evolving matrix. But the bottom line is more people have to get the shot. Jimmy, what was your take, man? I think they're trying to perpetuate that it's good news. We need to keep the train going down the track. They want to address this vaccine hesitancy as well, and they want to get the numbers up. And she has this incentive program with her benchmarks that if we reach these levels of vaccination, then more things are going to open up. But I could talk a lot about what's happening just to the south of us in Ohio when all of the restrictions are going to be lifted by that governor on June the 2nd. And I looked it up, they're only at a 41% start rate for vaccinations, not fully vaccinated. They're behind us, but ahead of us. Chad. Yeah, Tim, I think the headline this morning is back to the drawing board for Governor Whitmer and her vaccination reopening plan. Uh, the CDC's guidance yesterday that anybody 
who is fully vaccinated can now shed their, their masks if they're indoors. They don't have to social distance. This is really going to upend the governor's plan for this 70% threshold. We're at 55.4% right now of people with at least one shot. Getting to 70% is like another 1.4 million volunteers. And we, we are sub 200,000 people who have gotten shots this week. The, the, and that's, it, that's first and second. I mean, the number of people that are lining up right now has just plummeted. And we're gonna and we're gonna plateau here, yes. And now we also have Ohio opening up in just a few weeks, right after Memorial Day. I think the pressure is gonna be on the governor to to amend or change this plan um, because there was you know the, the gradual reopening of 60 percent. Then we can then the restaurants can stay open until 2 a.m. and and uh, and the capacities can increase in banquet halls. Um, I mean, banquet halls right now, weddings, uh, wedding planners are going nuts right now because you can only have 25 people in the wedding hall, but you can have 100 people at a, at a restaurant for a wedding shower. Z, what say you? Yeah, to Chad's point, the announcement, uh, the, the announcement uh, Thursday evening from the CDC is a game changer. And as of Friday morning, we're still waiting on seeing what MDHHS is going to do about that. Um, to Chad's point of a change is needed, uh, you know, on Wednesday when Whitmer was having her uh, press conference, she basically said it is going to be difficult. It is going to be hard to get to 60 to 65 to 70 when these next benchmarks are supposed to be met. Uh, she was on Michigan radio on Thursday and basically said as much to morning edition saying, yeah, you know, depending on what happens next, we may have to change these benchmarks and maybe we include positivity rates, right? As we continue to see positivity rates decrease, albeit slower than I think most folks want. Uh, so I would not be surprised post CDC, post this sort of admission that getting to 60, 65, 70 is gonna be hard, that within the next little while we don't see some change, which is what we've seen from the beginning and, and makes sense when you're in a once in a lifetime historic global pandemic that you can't necessarily set a goal line and keep it there. You might have to change depending on, well, human behavior. Well, I think she's not going to change the goalposts, but add two more. Uh, based on what our guest in the program said last week, the lobbyist from the Restaurant Association, he said they were in deep discussions with the governor's office about adding test positivity and also the hospitalization rates. Mm -hmm. So if we can't get to that magic number of 70 percent, well, we can still get to where we want to go and change these rules by just just adding different metrics to the equation. Uh, Nancy, exactly. good, good public policy, exactly. or is that just uh, you know whistling through the graveyard? I mean, I think we need a way to understand and manage our own risk. That's been sort of lacking this whole time. We've had this complex web of things that are being considered. What I need is when it's 72 degrees outside, I know I'm not going to need a coat, right? I know that I'm going to want to wear something lightweight. And if it's going to be sunny, I don't need an umbrella. We need a way to understand what's happening in a way that most people can understand. It would be great if we had metrics that actually made sense that could allow people to say, oh, hey, cases are rising. Restaurants should probably prepare for a diminished capacity. Oh, hey, cases are rising. School may go virtual. We haven't had that the whole time. I don't think we're going to start having that. So yeah, I think a lot of this is, you know, she's got to be responsive to events. And the CDC thing is a game changer, but it's also an operational nightmare because how do you know with half of us vaccinated and, you know, the, un the vaccinated <laughs> permitted to, to forego these restrictions, you own a store, you own a restaurant, you own a movie theater. How are you supposed to know this? And as the parent of a young child, um, 
you know, another parent in Ohio, since we were talking about Ohio, that I'm friends with who has children even younger than mine, had said she was preparing to start taking her kids out more this summer. But now that they're entering a restriction-free environment where you don't know who in the room is vaccinated, who in the room isn't, and with very young children who can't get vaccinated, does this mean you actually have to pull them back from things that you would have started doing? Because you don't know who the, I'm vaccinated. I'm not worried. I feel like this, the vaccine protects me. My kid's too little. So, you know, it's, a, it's not going to get simpler. So, Chad, when May 24th rolls around, you're pretty close to the business community. Is everybody going to open their offices and say, bring your pack, your lunch, and come on, we're going to have a party in the back room? You know, uh, is that going to happen? No. I mean, in fact, some of our biggest corporations are still really sort of changing the way work is going to look like. General Motors and Ford have both both kind of come up with major plans that, that aren't really requiring people to go back to the Renaissance Center and Glasshouse immediately. Uh, they're going to be coming back maybe two days a week. They're going to work in the office as they needed. Uh, and and some of the other you know big downtown Detroit companies as well are, are taking that same approach where they've pushed it off into July or sometime, sometime further down into the summer or almost a Labor Day. So I think we're going to see a very big mix, and that's going to still affect how our workforce um, comes back. It's going to affect uh, you know when people re-enter the workforce. We still have this huge issue of child care that, um, you know, there are some members of the legislature that want to tackle that. Um, and there's bipartisan uh, talk about that, but um, you know, that's not, that's not, they haven't gotten anywhere on that this spring yet. And, and yet here, here we are, um, you're going to be able to go back to the office um, maskless essentially um, within weeks. Jim, are you excited to get back into a noisy newsroom? Yeah, it's not going to happen uh, at Channel 7 anytime soon. They're still trying to figure it out. They've asked employees to voluntarily report if they've been vaccinated. And then we have an option to opt in or opt out. And I don't know what the exact count on that is yet. Uh, so I think they're taking a very uh, careful, conservative approach. And to uh, Chad's point, I think a lot of businesses are you know, there's an old adage, when you want to make a, a very important decision, you want the most uh, and best information in front of you before you do that. And I think that's what a lot of these businesses are doing. Everything is evolving. And I don't want to pull the trigger on that decision just yet. The other thing, I, I, I had a thought in my head to your earlier point about the governor and what is she going to have to do with the game-changing CDC uh, guidance change, uh, three words come to mind. Uh, I think she is going to have to change. I think she's going to want some political cover so it doesn't look like she's going to capitulate. Maybe this will be the news conference where she actually invites the two Republicans to hold her hand while they go over the cliff together, Z. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then pigs will fly right after that happens, <laughs> <Tim>. <laughs> Well, maybe they do. You can't tell. Uh, let's uh, let's segue into our other big story this week. We had uh, somebody down in Detroit who uh, said he was going to retire, but that really wasn't the story. Let's take a look. If soon-to-be former Detroit police James Craig has his way, this will be the matchup for governor in 2022. But first things first, before he runs for governor, he wants everybody to know he was not fired by the mayor. I am voluntarily leaving. We saw what happened to many chiefs across this country. You know, some were forced out, some retired because they didn't feel supported, and some were fired. So I'm leaving in a good place. As for that bid for governor, he announced he was a Republican, but only said this about running. He wouldn't rule it out, but he didn't rule it in. 
Uh, since the story broke, I have gotten countless calls, text messages, Facebook shots, emails from people across this great state, Democrats and Republicans, who said they want me to seek office. I have not made that decision. I'm not ruling it out. However, 6 News has learned from at least one source who was told face-to-face -to -face by the chief that he will indeed run for governor. The question is, can he get the Republican nomination? When millionaire Dick DeVos ran for governor, he announced his candidacy and everybody else left the field. They were scared to take on his money. Well, suffice it to say, Craig Chief is no Dick DeVos when it comes to bankrolling his own candidacy. So he's likely to have opposition in a Republican primary. As for the Democratic mayor... Well, he says this about that. Uh, I think Gretchen Whitmer has been the best partner the city of Detroit has had in the governor's office in decades, uh, and I will be supporting her. Uh, but as Chief Craig can tell you, he and I disagree on a number of issues, and I suspect that might be one of them. Look for the chief to get in just after June 1st. All right, Chad, is that true? Is this guy running for governor? I think he's running, and I don't think there's going to be any other major establishment candidate who gets in. Well, uh, other, wait make, a minute, wait a minute. Okay, but other people are going to get in. The, they're not going to hand this nomination to him on a silver platter, are they? Yes, they will. Whoa, I'm um, not so yeah. sure. I'm not so well, sure. Um, we, we, can, uh, we can play this tape uh, on June 2nd and see, how, see who wins. <laughs> well, only if I'm wrong. <laughs> we'll bury the tape. Tim, the Republicans were getting desperate um, for a top-tier candidate with no record that could be used against them, uh, a name a name a lot of people would know in Southeast Michigan, um, in particular in Macomb County. Uh, they were looking for someone that could fill this bill that, that didn't have a huge bunch of baggage. Obviously, Jan John James had been talking about doing this. And, you know, uh, I... He, I don't think he's going to get in. I mean, and so, and, and Ronald Romney McDaniel kind of threw her name out there uh, one day to sort of test the water a little bit, or just kind of, you know, lay it out there that if, if, you know, push came to shove, she would do it. They obviously begged and begged Candace Miller to no end to do it. She wouldn't do it. Um, and uh, we haven't heard, you know, hiding her hair from Lee Chatfield in, 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 since his, uh, his short-lived uh, job in economic development. And so I, I don't, don't think there's anybody else out there that's, uh, you know, and then, you know, a lot of Republicans do not want Mike Shirky to run. Um, and, and so there's a whole lot of people that just basically kind of were not going to work. Chief Craig comes in with uh, a record as a police chief, and there's a whole bunch of things there, but he doesn't have a voting record. And um, and so it's a it's a it's a candidacy that 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 Republicans are pretty excited about. Nancy, sounds like according to Mr. Livingood, this race is over. I mean, that's kind of the sense I'm getting is that there's not going to be another big candidate. They're hoping that Craig can come in and lock up the money, lock up the support and move forward through this election. Uh, I didn't see this coming. Um it still seems very surreal and strange, but I mean, I can, the logic hangs together if you're sort of willing to accept that he's a viable candidate, which apparently is, then uh, yeah, then I guess it all flows from there. I mean, getting one strong candidate in early and locking up all the support and money is not a bad way to do it if you're, if you're trying to win. So, Jim, let me ask you, you know the, the chief pretty well. With 44 years under his belt in law enforcement, do you suppose the opposition research folks for Gretchen Whitmer might find something in that record that they could use against this guy? Here's the first line in their TV hit ad. 
the chief becomes a rookie. He's going to be a rookie in politics. What does he know about roads? What does he know about health care? What does he know about the environment? All those big issues. He's a, a chief who has taken a strong position on gun rights. He was on the cover of the National Rifle Association back in 2014. He's become the Republican darling. But we haven't had a chance to ask him any of those questions. He brushed them all aside on Monday, including the big conspiracy about the vote. Was the vote uh, widespread fraud, including here in Michigan? I wanted to ask him a lot of questions about former President Trump. He's brushed all of those aside for now. How does he walk through that landmine? Yeah, it's a good question. Z, if you were sitting around the, 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 the chief's table with insiders and saying, what, what do we do about this Donald Trump thing? Do we want his endorsement in this race? What's the answer? Well, and this is the exact issue, right? And if I'm sitting around the table with his advisors, who many are still trying to figure out exactly who is advising him, the first thing I would have said is, wow, this so-called rollout. So you not only have a retirement going away conference where basically your boss endorses who could possibly the, be the person you're running against. Then you say, you know, you answer some politics and policy questions. Then you're asked about the quote unquote big lie. And you say, you're not going to talk about politics. So the first thing, if I'm at that table is going, what are we doing here? Um, the second thing is exactly that Trump is not an 800 pound gorilla that no one is talking about. He is in the room. He is still the head of the party. Look at what happened to Liz Cheney this week. So how does a Chief Craig, when asked if he believes that this election was stolen or that Donald Trump should be president, how is he gonna answer? Because Detroit was ground zero when it comes to some of the Republicans saying where there was election fraud. So here is a city that he's gonna represent or try to get votes from a city. And he's gonna say, but, but yes, there was all this corruption and I was there and watching it. I mean, this is not going to be an easy answer for him to make. And I'm glad I'm not at that table because they're gonna have to figure out how to you know, deal with this issue. And if they don't, Trump will not endorse him. And if this is a primary and it isn't wrapped up, that is going to be huge in a Republican Party primary still. Chad, the answer, is it not, we do not want his endorsement or not? Um, I, I think they would like to avoid Trump uh, if they're going to try to make some inroads back with voters they lost, independents they lost in Oakland County. Right, just a um, second. Uh, uh, James down here was just shaking his head. Maybe he was cleaning the his, You don't think he's right? Do you want the Trump endorsement? I, I think he's look, here's here's the other first question. James, I want to do ask you him. want the Trump endorsement, man? Uh, I don't know how he's going to answer that. That's the short answer. Oh, back to you, Chad. Go ahead. I mean, go ahead, Nance. I mean, you know, ask Bill Shooty. You want the Trump endorsement for a primary. You want Trump to disappear mm -hmm. for the general, right? You I mean, can't that, have it both but ways. You, but you can't. You can't have that. I mean, all the things that mean that he's not going to get a lot of Detroit's uh, Detroit votes uh, mean that he's probably going to play well in places like Macomb County and really big Republican strongholds. Will it win back, uh, particularly suburban women? who crossed the aisle in 18 and 20 to vote for Democrats because they could not tolerate the party of Trump. 
I don't I don't know if Chief Craig is a candidate to uh, to bring those voters back because I mean again the the stuff that he can really appeal to outstate voters and and Macomb County diehard very conservative Trump Republicans with it, it's not like moderate dinner table type issues it's um, very strong law and order it's denouncing Black Lives Matter protests at protests here in Detroit as Marxist anarchists who he kept from burning down the city these are not you know, middle of the road issues. These are, these are moderate issues. These are pretty extreme. So I don't know. Is he the, is he the guy who's going to win them back? Chad, how about this? Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Well, well, we should note that during that press conference Tuesday, he basically noted like the city didn't burn under my watch. I mean, he was, uh, uh, you know, and there's plenty of, of clips out there of Mike Duggan saying nice things about, about um, uh, James Craig that can be also used in a campaign. I think the larger question is sort of Nancy's point. What is James Craig running on? What, what is his platform beyond law and order? Okay. You checked out that box off. Okay. We've, we've got roads that need fixed. We've got, got schools that are underfunded. We've got um, a, a, um, a social safety net uh, that is in tatters in multiple places. Um, what's your platform for that? And, and, and you know, like I said earlier, what's your platform for child care? I mean, when we talk about a, a bread and butter issue in the suburbs of Detroit um, that, that women voters are interested in, that's one of them. And, and, you know, how the Republican nominee answers that question is going to be pretty uh, vital to their their ability to win back those women voters and also independents in general. Well, so when I talk to, go ahead, Nance. I'm sorry. When I talked to Republicans um, after the you know news broke about his candidacy, his possible candidacy, when I asked what's the issue he can campaign on, I heard leadership, um, and I think that that's. I heard that enough to where I feel like maybe it's a talking point. Um, so, you know, but if leadership if leadership is your is your quality that you're campaigning on. Um, again, that's very specific. And how do all those other things flow from that? Like Chad said, how can you credibly say, I'll fix childcare, I'll fix the road, I'll fix the schools, I'll leave the economy out of a COVID recovery? Um, leadership? Yeah, Zoe, it's, 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 what, what if he pulls a Rick Snyder and says, I'm a, not a career politician? How refreshing that would be. Could he make that point? Yeah. Right. But let's remember, like, let's go back to how it was that Rick Snyder won initially. And it was because there was a crowded primary, right? Like Rick Snyder didn't get through the Republican primary. And this was way back in 2010 before Trump. He didn't get through the primary somehow because Republicans were like, yeah, we want a moderate business person. He got through the primary because Mike Cox and Pete Hookstra divided the conservative vote. And what's fascinating about that is let's remember who was chair of the Republican Party during that time. Ron Weiser. And here you have Ron Weiser chair again. And I wonder if there isn't like a, yeah, like we don't want a crowded primary more. Seen that movie before. Let's move on. And like Chad said, let's figure out the candidate early um, and, and let's do this thing. Now, early is very interesting to note too. I will note that Gretchen Whitmer announced, now given, uh, you know, this was not running against an incumbent, but Gretchen Whitmer announced in 2017, in January of 2017 for, you know, a race in November 18. So I think Republicans, especially post June 1, have to figure out if there's other folks out there and names out there and do it if they're going to do it quick. Jim, the last time I checked the polling data, law and order was on the list, but it was uh, behind used car salesmen. I mean, is that the, is that his uh, <laughs> is that his way to move into the uh, governor's chair? 
Well, certainly that's going to be his strength. But I, the first question I want to ask him when he's going to take the political questions is, as a police chief and as a law and order man, do you hold President Trump responsible for January 6th and the riot on the U.S. Capitol? How do you answer that, Chief? He'll go, and Chad, he what's your question? It. He'll go, Chad, <laughs> what's your question? Right? He's going to ignore it. He'll talk around it. He'll fog. Yeah, well, now, wait a minute. Let me, I'm going to follow up. I'm going to say, Chief, I've oh, been dancing with you up. for seven years, for eight years. Now you're not going to answer a question? You've never been afraid of any question. Give us the answer. Chad? I'm going to take Jim's lead on this one. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, he's going to have to answer these questions. And, and, and uh, you know, this, this, I think this is happening because, you know, June is sort of the time. you got to be in the race by then. You can, you can spend the summer first while raising money. Now you can also start going to chicken dinner, barbecues uh, all summer long. And you got to get ready for the Mackinac Conference. That's the pivotal point where the Republicans usually have – if they have a, a an ordained uh, nominee, uh, that's where they they roll them out in the last last weekend in September. Let me. So, uh, this yeah. has a very this has a very Mike Bloomberg feel to me. When Mike Bloomberg got into the Democratic race, and suddenly it was like, oh, he could be the one. He could be the people and people compromise on. He's got a ton of money. He's got a ton of backing. This could be it. And then it wasn't it. Of course, the big difference is that there were several for Democrats very attractive alternatives to Mike Bloomberg, and, and it didn't happen. Um, that's not necessarily the case here, but it has some of that same feel of sort of of sort of pronouncing, a, looking forward to a bunch of things that may or may not happen about this candidacy before it's even really announced. He's very un, untested in this realm, and who knows what's going to happen. Uh, this is not an unfair question. Has anybody in the panel heard the name Perry Johnson, not the former state to prison director? Anybody heard that name, business person? Yes, no? I did. Nope. I, uh, have you heard it, Chad? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, am, I am told by a pretty good source this guy's got a lot of money. He's got a fairly large ego, which is, is not necessarily a negative, and he could get in this race regardless of who is in it. Have you heard that, Chatteroo? I've heard the same thing, too. Thank you. And we that's agree amazing on amazing name recognition that he has, too. <laughs> yeah. Listen, what a great show, guys. Listen, it was great to work with all you. Welcome to the OTR family, to Nancy and Jim. Uh, you should know it's a dysfunctional family from time to time, so be careful, all right? Chad, Z, thanks for your help. See you next week right here on Off the Record. Production of Off the Record is made possible in part by the following. Business Leaders for Michigan has a strategic plan to make Michigan a top 10 state in the nation for jobs, personal income, and a healthy economy. Learn more at michigansroadtotop10.com. For more off the record, visit wkar.org. Michigan public television stations have contributed to the production costs of Off the Record with Tim Skubik.